the Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and Arizona. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $1,000 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. But also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Check out the new PropSwap.com and use the promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. We're also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is DFS simplified. Head over to PrizePicks.com and use the promo code SGP for a 100% deposit match up to $100. We're also brought to you by Sobet. Sign up to bet against your friends and join the social betting revolution at Sobet.io. That's Sobet.io. We're also brought to you by Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a new free-to-play app that lets you sync your fantasy football league and bet on the head-to-head matchups. Download the app today or just head to betterfantasy.com slash SGP. That's B-E-T-T-O-R fantasy.com slash SGP. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and free podcasts. begins at Old Trafford United's first game under Ralph Rangnick preparation time has been at a minimum for the new boss will he oversee a first win deep ball in dangerous ball towards Ayu oh he's missed a sitter he's missed an absolute sitter to surely win it for Palace what a chance for Jordan Ayu Hello, Greenwood, Mason Greenwood, Fred, oh what a goal, Fred with an absolute stunner, with his right foot into the top corner, who saw that coming, United 1, Palace nil. a winning start for Ralph Rangnick, Fred the hero for Manchester United in the final quarter of the game with a fantastic strike. It's finished here, Manchester United 1, Crystal Palace 0. You are listening to Bet MUFC here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. Follow the Bet MUFC Twitter account that's at Bet MUFC, at Bet MUFC. Also follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter that's at SGP Soccer, at SGP Soccer. To get all my additional content, check out my website, lockbetting.com. That's lockbetting.com. We are still early in the month, so it's well worth signing up. We are going for 103 months in a row of transparent track profit. We currently have 102 months of track profit in the bank. That means for over eight years, I haven't had a single losing month in sports betting. This is all transparent and tracked. My lockbetting.com site goes over to a Patreon site and Patreon allows all of my clients to comment. Therefore, most importantly, when I post my spreadsheets every single month, had there been plays I didn't make or plays that I lost that are not on the spreadsheet, Trust me, in 2021, the way people are, some snowflake would have picked up on it. So that's never, ever happened. I put all of my plays out there. I'm fully transparent and not one discrepancy on them. I genuinely have over eight years of transparent track profit. The only drawback of using Patreon is that as soon as you sign up, it bills you. So you've already missed nine days of the month at this point. 
So when you do sign up, you will be billed immediately for the month of December. You'll be mount, you'll be billed again on January the first. So get as much content as you possibly can. We're killing it in the NBA, winning nearly every single day. We have ten winning weeks in the NFL. Had a losing week this weekend, as I said, fully transparent. That was one of our rare losing weeks. Three losing weeks all season so far in the NFL. And of course, we are killing it in the soccer. I can't think of a better run than I've had in the last five days. I may have done in the past. I don't track these things specifically in terms of my biggest winning week or month in soccer or even my winning biggest winning day. But I do know we've made people a ton of money so far in December on soccer. This is riding off the back of making people a ton of money at the end of November. We had a couple of bad weeks here and there, but we've really come through strong, very, very strong season so far. And we look to continue it going here at the end of the month as the soccer season gets very, very hectic, particularly for the EPL, where we have a ridiculous number of games, four games across 10 to 12 10 to 12 days for many teams and then after that we have the beginning of the FA Cup as well so to get involved with all of that the end of the NFL regular season NBA every single day all of the soccer all of the other sports we do head over to lockbetting.com so moving on here with BetMUFC and the Ralph Ragnick era started with a win he got a lot of compliments for that performance. It was only a 1-0 win over Palace, but Manchester United were very, very dominant. There were a lot of statistics that were brought out. I'm going to run through some of those stats shortly, but first of all, we're going to drop a little audio clip here from Ralph Ragnick and hear what he had to say about the performance against Crystal Palace. Assessments of that display today? I'm more than happy. First of all, most important, we won the game. Second, we had a clean sheet. Third, I think we no doubt deserved to win because we had control of the game. I don't know about possession of the ball, but I suppose it was more than 60%. Um, And we didn't give them that many chances to score. We had control on the game. And uh, to be honest, I was positively surprised by the performance of the players. I know you mentioned the word control a few times when you first arrived as well. How important was that that you saw that from your players today? Very important, even more so that we had only not even a full training session yesterday. So most of the things happened in talking to the players, video footage, explaining to individual players and group of players uh, how I would want to play. And and as I said, I didn't expect us to play on that level um, after only one and a half training days together with them. How impressed were you with that, in particular the first half display where you really stood up and pressed Crystal Palace and the energy you had too? The first half hour was amazing. I mean, it was uh, high intensity, high speed, high tempo. The only thing that was missing was uh, scoring one or two goals. But uh, the way that we played against the ball, the whole game took place in their half. Uh, as I said, positively surprised. It looked like a 4-2-2-2 formation. What are the benefits of that formation? How important are the fullbacks when, when, when you play that way? The formation has to fit to the players and I'm a big fan of having each player on his best possible position and I think today that was the case. Uh, Cristiano was not alone up front together with Marcus. Uh, They could work together, staying close together against the ball, trigger the pressure situations. Um, Bruno and Jaden, I mean, this is the most demanding, the most sophisticated position in this 4-2-2-2. They did well. Of course, they could have produced more chances, but what they did against the ball was good. The two sixes were pre- were omnipresent, and I liked a lot the performances of our two fullbacks and the two centre-backs. Uh, they were anticipating well. The two fullbacks were always yeah, trying to get involved offensively. Yeah. 
as I said, for the first time, I'm more than happy. As for Fred, were you expecting that shot into the top corner? <laughs> Not with his right foot, so <laughs> I had to ask my assistant coach, who scored? Is it Fred? Is it Fred with his right foot? Yes. I mean, he's a wonderful boy. This is one thing I can say even after two days. I've heard a lot about him from, uh, from Ole. So, uh, yeah, right now I can only say it's great to have a boy like him in the team. But the same with, other, with all the other players. Scott McTominay, it's, it's the same. So with those two number sixes, we are able to yeah, play aggressive uh, football against the ball. As you say, you've not had too much time. There's not much, too time, uh, too much time again before the next game. What can you do in, in between these games? Well, we need to prepare for the Young Boys game now on Wednesday and uh, hopefully give uh, game time to a few other players um, whom I would have wanted to give a chance today. But in England, unfortunately, you can only substitute three players, uh, whereas in Germany it's five. Uh, so it might well be that we play with a few other players on Wednesday uh, and then prepare with the... So he mentioned a Young Boys game there. We'll talk about that shortly. Let's first analyse some of the stats for this game now. I think people are going a little bit over the top in terms of how controlled Man United were and what a good performance that was. We won the game 1-0. Yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo had one of his worst shooting days in front of goal and that could have been 4-5-0 on any given day. But it was 0-0 and Crystal Palace could have stole the game, much like Aston Villa stole the game 1-0 earlier on in the season. I think we played better in this game than we did against Aston Villa. But still, at the end of the day, we got a 1-0 victory. You can make what you want out of it. But the fact is, we got a 1-0 victory. We were a lot more controlled. The stats indicate that. But at the end of the day, this is Crystal Palace. And there are more difficult games to come. Fortunately, those difficult games aren't coming immediately. So Ralph Ragnick has a real opportunity to develop a strong winning run and winning start as the Man United manager. If we're looking ahead to games against Brentford, Norwich, Brighton, Burnley, Wolves, Newcastle away... These are all winnable games before we start in the FA Cup. And there's no real reason that Ralph Ragnick shouldn't start with seven wins out of eight or maybe even eight out of eight. So obviously, this is all very easy to say on paper because this is the Premier League. But Ralph Ragnick has a very big opportunity here to go on a run and get Manchester United strongly established in the top four. I gave it out as a lock on the last show. It was a three-unit play for me getting Man United at even money and I feel even more confident about that. If you somehow managed to miss that, I would still look at what that is at the moment. I don't think it would have moved too much. I haven't got it in front of me at the moment because I want to focus on this show looking at the young boys game and of course the statistical data from the last game as to why Ralph Ragnick was getting so much praise. We're looking at the season averages here for Manchester United and uh, the shots faced for Man United per game so far coming into this Palace game was 14.6 shots per game, which is a lot if you're supposed to be challenging for the title or if you're even to be considered a top four team. Crystal Palace only delivered eight shots. Two of those were on target. Man United have usually let 4.9 shots per game hit the target against them. So that's a significant improvement when you're looking at eight shots faced compared to 14.6 and 4.9 hitting the target compared to two. Expected goals against went dramatically down. Man United were allowing 1.6 expected goals per game on average going into this game. Against Palace, it was under one. It was 0.7. So if you're conceding uh, nearly two goals per game or you're giving up opportunities where teams should score two goals per game, you're not going to win anything. And that's what Man United were doing. They were very, very easy to counter-attack against. And that's something that this 4-2-2 formation did. 4-2-2-2 formation did. It stopped against the counter. We saw Man 
Man United defending in, in squares and in pairs and stop teams from breaking on us will stop Palace from breaking on us initially. And that was certainly a positive if we can carry it forward. On average, Man United were winning 13.6 tackles per game. In the Palace game, they won 24 and they won those much higher up the pitch as well uh, with 44.8 duels won on average and 55 in this game. And as I just mentioned, we were very good at winning the ball back in the final third with our press. We would usually only win 4.1 possessions back in the final third. In this game, we won possession back 12 times in the final third. So that's a dramatic increase. And what is most significant here in my eyes and shows how good management can make a massive improvement, Man United ran less of a distance on average in this game. 101 kilometers run compared to 105 throughout the rest of the season with 135.4 sprints on average in other games and just 132 in this one. So that's not significant, the sprints, but the distance covered, Man United managed to cover four kilometres less in this game whilst winning the ball much higher up the pitch, giving up less shots on target, giving up less shots in general and reducing the expected goals tally. That tells you that they're working a lot smarter. That tells you that the manager does make a difference. Everybody always turns around and says, oh, well, it's the players that have to win the game. No, this is the significant difference. People say you can't play the high press and you can't keep running and chasing down balls because you're going to tire out the players. Well, this team haven't worked as hard and they've been more productive with what they've done. Winning, running less of a distance in this game against Crystal Palace of 101 kilometers compared to 104 usually. And the result is you face less shots, less shots on target, less expected goals. You win more tackles and you win the ball in the final third a lot more than you would usually do. Three times more, in fact. So this is all positive data. As I said, let's calm the fuck down. It is Crystal Palace at home. They did have an opportunity to go ahead as Man United's defence fell asleep and didn't take chances in the first half. But I do think things will get better. I can take the positives out of this game. As he said, he only had one and a half training sessions to do anything about this. And on that basis, Man United were very impressive to control in controlling the game. The fact that we haven't even kept a clean sheet without Vafra Varane on the pitch, going with Lindelof and Maguire is a very impressive achievement. I think we'll get stronger as Varane gets back into the team. That makes us automatically a lot more balanced. If you look at the way Man United have played this season and you look at the clean sheets that we have had, looking away to Tottenham and away to Wolves, Varane has played in all of those games and he has been instrumental and he will give this side more balance. My sole concern about the 4-2-2-2 formation is the fact that it does mean that our defensive holding midfielders who have been heavily criticised by the media and our supporters now become massively influential in this system. They are the key protection to the back four. He talked about playing two sixes. That looks like Fred and McTominay are going to be perennial figures in the team. That means they're going to provide our back four with more protection and our fullbacks, the onus will be on them to provide the width. Therefore, it looks like more game time for Dallow. Looks like serious competition between Tellis and Luke Shaw on the left-hand side. And it does mean that Bruno Fernandes and both Jaden Sancho will be playing more inside as creators. Now, I like Jaden Sancho going out wide. I don't think this is his best position. Obviously, there will be license to go out wide, providing that you do have one of the two centre forwards pulling in. I'm hoping that's not going to continue to be Marcus Rashford. I would like to see Cavani in his team, despite the fact he's 34. He does press more than Marcus Rashford and he's definitely more clinical in front of goal. Rashford's game has gone backwards. He's more interested these days in being a politician. He He's a player that doesn't press the ball. He's a player that doesn't create chances. He's a player that doesn't finish. I'm not a fan of Marcus Rashford until he gets his game back on track. 
I would much rather see Mason Greenwood or Edson Cavani occupying this spot alongside Cristiano Ronaldo. And another significant factor from this game is the implementation of Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo was forced to press the ball, which he did, something we haven't seen him do before. But at the same time, it didn't take away from his ability to be there to have the chances. Ronaldo had a number of chances in this game. It was disappointing that he didn't score, but he will be able to score goals in this system. So that's my my real issues here is the fact that the, the system now means there is a lot of importance on Fred and McTominay. I cannot see Paul Pogba dropping in and playing in his system and being reliable. These are two players that were heavily criticised and now we are very much reliant on them. And of course, Jadon Sancho playing in that two, having to come into the middle a lot more, reducing his width out wide and probably reducing his productivity just when it looked like we may be getting a little bit more out of Sancho off the back of scoring a goal against Villarreal and playing well against Arsenal. So, We'll see what happens moving forward. But as I said, everything looks good at this point. I would calm down if I was people. But Ralph Radnick starts with a win and Manchester United put out a far more controlled performance. I think that should be the key takeaway from this game. And it's no different, really, when you look at the two other German managers that came into the league. When you're looking at Klopp and Tuchel, both of them made a similar impact in their first games in charge of Liverpool and Chelsea, respectively. Jurgen Klopp changed Liverpool from a team who, on average, had 55.3 possession and he had 63% of the ball in his game against Tottenham in October 2. 2015. They won 74 duels compared to a 58.6 average under Brendan Rodgers. They won 29 tackles instead of 22, but they ran a lot more, increasing their distance from 108 kilometers to 116 kilometers. And as I said, it's a massive positive that Ragnick pulled these numbers with his players running less, therefore working smart instead of running around like the headless chickens they look like under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. With Thomas Tuchel, he made a big difference in possession. They went from 60% under Lampard to 79%. They had 31 touches in opponents' boxes compared to 26.1 under Lampard. They only faced four shots in that game. Obviously, the opponent is important here as well, but four shots against Wolves at home compared to 10.1 on average under Lampard with uh, 3.3 on average hitting the target and not a single shot against Wolves in January 2021 when Tuchel took over. Incidentally, that game finished nil-nil, which it looked like Man United's game was going to finish as well, but Man United were able to get the goal from Fred. So that is the analysis of the data from that game. And I think you'll find that it looks like Man United are moving in the right direction. Moving on to today's game against Young Boys. It's a nothing game, really, or it normally would be. But I think people will be very interested to see who he brings in, how he rotates the squad and how these players do, because there's a lot of players that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer neglected. Many were surprised to not see Donny van der Beek playing in that game. And it'll be interesting to see where van der Beek features, because in the 4 2 2 Two system, um, you four two 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 system. Yeah, it's very hard to say when you're adding. We're very used to saying four three three or four two two. Now we got to go four two two two. Like it's for someone that's covered football for so long, it's a little bit to get your head around. But moving back to my point, it'll be interesting to see where he plays Donny. I don't see Donny playing as one of those sixes in the first two. I think he would be more suited to the second two. And if you're relying on getting the width from Telles and Dallow, then Donny van der Beek would be much more suited to this position. I don't think he's going to be rotating throughout the season with Bruno Fernandes. 
I do think more of the rotation will be coming by Jaden Sancho. It'd be interesting to see if Sancho as well could be utilised as one of the two up front and could be a striker that pulls wide when Man United have possession on his side of the pitch, allowing Ronaldo to drop into the box along with Donny van der Beek if Donny van der Beek does start to occupy one of these positions in the two. But personally, I don't see him as one of the six. I think these are going to be ball winners that give protection to your back four. And that's not a position I see for van der Beek or for Paul Pogba in this team. So it'll be really interesting to look at things like that. Interesting to see Phil Jones playing in his centre-back position. Um, I think this is going to lead to goals in this game. I don't think Ralph Ragnick is going to keep back-to-back clean sheets. I would be taking Man United to win this game and tacking on the over two and a half goals. A play I also like is to take the over three goals in this game. Now, in all of Man United's Champions League games so far, apart from one, you would have got a push or a win by taking this selection in four of Man United's five games. It would have cashed in both of the Atalanta games. And I see a wide open game here. So over three is available for you in this game here at the price of 93 to 100. So that's a little bit better than minus 110, 10 to 11. I think this is a very good play to go with as I do see an open game here between Man United and Young Boys. Young Boys have nothing to lose. So they're going to come here pretty wide open. They're already out of Europe entirely. The other game in this group between Atalanta and Villarreal will decide who goes through behind Manchester United who are already the group winners. But I don't think Ralph Ragnick is going to want to lose some momentum. But obviously with Phil Jones at the back, your second choice goalkeeper in Henderson, a rotated squad that aren't used to playing each other. It does leave you more susceptible to conceding a goal. Man United have conceded in 10 of their 11 home games in all competitions and both teams to score has landed in nine of Young Boys' last 11 games and they have only failed to score in three of their last 12 away. So Young Boys could easily get a goal to assist you but it wouldn't surprise me to see Manchester United scoring three. As I said, it's a wide open game. These players are also playing under a new system and they've had more time to learn it so I do think they're going to work smarter and look, if you're in the Manchester United squad, you're a top player that's been signed for a lot of money. So I have confidence that this team will be able to go on and win this game. So as I said, multiple ways to play this. I do think Man United end up getting the win, avenging that loss against Young Boys. I do think we'll keep the momentum going. And both plays I like are available at exactly the same price. Man United and over two and a half goals at 10 to 11. And over three goals also available at 10 to 11 here in this game. To close out, we're going to look at Man United's chances of actually winning the Champions League. Now, the title of the show is Pep versus Germany. And that's because Pep Guardiola, for me, is the only non-German manager who has any chance of winning the Champions League this season, in my opinion. Now, I'm taking the bold step here of writing off Paris Saint-Germain. For me, I watched them play. I don't see them winning the Champions League. I don't see them fixing this issue where the front line don't work hard enough. I think when Neymar comes back, he automatically goes into the team and Pochettino will never solve the riddle of how to play Neymar and Bappe and Messi and therefore this team will not win the Champions League. So for me, it's between Manchester City, who are managed by the Spaniard, Pep Guardiola, versus the German managed by Munich. The German managed Liverpool, the German managed Chelsea and the German managed Manchester United. You could make a case for Real Madrid. Real Madrid are the hottest team in Europe at the moment and they are way down in the market here at 16 to 1. They will play a runner up in the last 16. So they have a good chance of making it through to the Champions League quarterfinal and they will be a team that nobody wants to play. And for me, I think they are way too big here at 16 to 1. But on paper, it looks like Pep versus Germany. 
with Guardiola's men, the three to one favourites, Bayern Munich four to one, Liverpool five to one, Paris Saint Germain here at thirteen to two. I think that's way too short. Chelsea seven to one to retain, and Man United all the way out at sixteen to one. Man United will really be looking at this draw on Monday. I think we would certainly be eyeing up one of the weaker runners-up. I don't care if we get the runner-up from the group with Bayern Munich in it, whether it be Benfica or Barcelona. Barcelona are not the same team. I really fancy Man United against them. But I think everybody would be looking at the group featuring Lille, Sevilla, um, Wolfsburg and RB Salzburg. I think that would be the group that we're looking at and targeting somebody from that group. Uh, I also wouldn't be bothered about playing Sporting Lisbon, who have finished the runners-up in Ajax's group, knocking Borussia Dortmund out of the Champions League. That would be an interesting game. Bruno Fernandes playing against Sporting Lisbon again. Ronaldo playing against Sporting Lisbon again. So lots of intriguing draws. Obviously, you want to avoid the likes of Inter Milan and Paris Saint-Germain. But knowing Manchester United's luck, that's what could happen. We've just drawn Aston Villa in the third round of the FA Cup, while everybody else, all the other top teams, lucked out with an easy draw. So that's what we're going to be targeting on Monday. But essentially, it's a very, very interesting situation with the German managers looking like they will dominate the Champions League this season. And we all know Manchester City look good to a certain point, but they can't get over that final hurdle. And we'll be previewing if they can. Once the draw is made on Monday, we will be dropping a preview of the Champions League, looking at the futures once we know who's in the last 16. And that will be dropping immediately. And that will be your final Champions League show of 2021. And that will be dropping either immediately after after the draw and you'll get my immediate reaction or you'll get it 100% by Tuesday. So make sure you look out for that. That's it for me in this edition of Bet MUFC. I'll be back at the weekend looking at Man United's trip to Norwich. But until then, good luck with all of your bets as always, guys. And thanks for listening.